Welcome to The Real Enneagram, A Spiritual Quest, brought to you by the Institute for Conscious Being. Join us as we experience the vital teachings of Enneagram expert Dr. Joseph Howell, clinical psychologist and author of Becoming Conscious, The Enneagram's Forgotten Passageway. Relax as you are taken beyond personality typing to The Real Enneagram, The Spiritual Development of the Soul. Welcome back to a podcast entitled The Real Enneagram, A Spiritual Quest. Today, we have a very special guest. Um, Of course, we have Dr. Howell, and we also have Jessica Yarbrough, who is uh, a repeat guest, mainly because of popular demand that she returned to the program. So we've had, no, I'm being serious, we've had really positive feedback all the way from Colorado, Seattle, different areas in Montana. It's just been phenomenal. Anyway, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Well, we want to listen a little bit to Dr. Howell. He's going to talk to us about typology and his thoughts on typing other people and even typing yourselves when you don't have the self-awareness to do that. Hello. I would like to speak about the Enneagram in terms of typing. Typing is a very difficult thing to do. There are two basic types of typing. Typing oneself and typing other people. Let me speak first about typing other people. It's very difficult to to type a person because one doesn't know what the motivations of another person happens to be. In fact, when we speak with somebody about what their motivations are, they may be out of touch with what their motivations are and as a result don't understand what their bottom line is, what they're trying to accomplish, trying to avoid, trying to strategize. And as a result, because the person is out of touch with um, their deepest motivations, they are um, not really able to tell us why they do things. For example, if there is a one who is not typed, but who is very, very out of touch with their motivations, you could say, I notice that you like to criticize other people when they're doing things incorrectly. And I wonder if you even criticize yourself when you do things incorrectly. That would be a great thing for a person who's a one to answer. Because if indeed they do keep everybody else in line and have a very overactive inner critic, In fact, they probably need to look at type 1 as being their ego type. But if somebody is a type 1 and is out of touch with their motivations about why they do things, they could likely say, well, no, I don't tell other people what to do, and I'm certainly not very critical toward myself because that wouldn't be good for me to criticize myself 
what I try to do is just gently keep everybody in line, not because I necessarily know the right thing to do, but because it's just natural for me to guide people. Um, well, that could be true, but we do not know whether one's, um, that person's sort of benevolent idea of why they do things um, is true or not. They may be a raging one who's very angry and ready to stop on stomp on people's feet at a moment's notice if they get out of line. Um, or they may be a completely different egotype. For example, they could be um, an egotype um, three who um, wants to guide people because in guiding them, they are able to achieve the goals that they want for themselves and for the group. And it's all done because of achievement aims and for the reasons of success. So there are two main problems in typing other people. One is you've got to find out what the motivation is. And the other is if the person themselves are not is not in touch with their motivation, then you're at a loss as to finding out what their real type is. The other um, thing about typing uh, to remember is that um, uh, if we take the liberty of typing other people, we not only are going on what they present as their intention or their motivation, we are pairing them up with one of the nine energies and we do not take into consideration the fact that they may be uh, an energy uh, on the Enneagram that has completely integrated and therefore looks very, very unlike their ego type. For example, if a type 1 integrates to the point of integration, which is a healthy conscious 7, the 1 really looks very, very optimistic, is good-natured, um, is upbeat, um, not so interested in keeping the world in line because they have the knack of living more so in the moment. Uh, they are uh, less um, uh, perplexed by other people's behavior and they take it in stride knowing that people are not perfect uh, finished products but their works in progress and therefore much of the strain on a solidly egoic one is taken off as soon as they make that trip toward their number of integration. 
Now, after years there, they are very, very um, amalgamated to the seven energy to the point that they've lived out of it for years and have done their own unique alchemical bond between their ego type and their point of integration and they have become somebody else. In other words, they've gone to their essence and as a result, they don't live out of the ego the way they did when they were totally absorbed by it. So for them to be able to say that their motivation is that of a one would be kind of impossible, though on the Enneagram map, their ego type is a one. But because life has given them the ability to meld and amalgamate with their essence, they do not have the motivations of one except in regression or under stress or in lapses when that old motivation may once again come to the fore. And when um, I mean that, I mean when that um, regression uh, happens and the ego manifests again. The other reason that it's very difficult to type others in terms of how they look now uh, versus how they were in the height of their ego, some people disintegrate. And they too have learned to live out of different energies And though their disintegration was started by disintegrating at their ego type, they then have gone to another energy on that Enneagram which has further disintegrated them. And therefore they no longer look or act totally out of the motivations of their ego type. Let me give you an example by using one again, the egotype one. Egotype one in disintegration goes to the unhealthy and unconscious aspects of type four. And it is there where he or she picks up the despair and the sadness and hopelessness of the unhealthy four. There is a sense of alienation, of being misunderstood, of being uh, rejected, of being ignored. And one of the common themes of um, a one who disintegrates to the fore is um, I am depressed and anxious because this world and those around me don't listen to me and I know the right thing to do. Uh, 
if they only listened and not ignore me, then so much could be accomplished and saved. But the problem is that they won't. And as a result, everything is going to hell in a handbasket. I am bereft. I'm so tired. I've expended all of my energy. I've worked so very hard. And after working hard and trying so hard to express what needs to happen and to allow people to see the right path, I am totally ignored. It's as if I don't exist, that I don't matter. And I'm losing hope in everyone. And I'm losing hope even in myself. Well, you know, that's a very disparaging place to be. And when one lives in hopelessness for years and years and years, um, the, the person becomes bitter and resentful, and they're no longer trying to get the world to agree with them or to set the world right or to uh, change people for the better. Many of them are just trying to stay alive because they see very little reason to live at times. And this is in the extreme cases, of course. The um, thing to remember here is that there are varying degrees of being ensconced, ensconced in one's ego type and in one's type where they go for disintegration. We have to remember, too, that one does not stop at the point of their disintegration if they're disintegrating. They actually continue with their arrow to the unhealthy, unconscious uh, aspect of the very uh, next ego type. For example, type one who disintegrates will disintegrate to type four and then type four will then disintegrate to the unhealthy aspects of type two. We don't have time to go into what those other unhealthy aspects are but let it suffice us to say that people who collect the negative energies as they descend down the spiral of disintegration actually lose touch with their ego motivations. They have an ego that um, is in such upheaval that it um, it's no longer doing all of what it used to do in order to preserve itself or to face its fears or desires. And, of course, uh, in integration, the same thing occurs as the person goes against their arrow, for the example, the one going against their arrow to the healthy and conscious seven, that would continue um, for people who are integrating. If the seven then continues to go against its arrow to the healthy and to the conscious five. 
the Enneagram is a living, dynamic way of our understanding ourselves. And it's, it's hard enough for us to type ourselves because we have to remove the veil of our own ego in order to get down to the honesty of what really does motivate us. This is why in my book, Becoming Conscious, the Enneagram's Forgotten Passageway, um, I have a test for self-assessment. And this is actually a test of one's ego. And I believe that in testing the ego type, one will be able to understand how to enter the Enneagram. And I ask them, I ask readers to take that test as if they were in the height of their ego. So they're going to have to remember the time in their life when they were um, operating out of the motivations of their ego and take the test accordingly. Uh, that's self-inquiry. So, as we look at this thing called the Enneagram, it's not only an organic and fluid thing wherein we change and grow or disintegrate and uh, do not grow and even stagnate and or become worse. Um, uh, we, we've got to allow for that and not look at people in a cookie-cutter fashion as being certain types that always operate in one certain way and we we must allow for the truth of life which is multifaceted and which is um, complicated and which is very individualized according to each individual person. So in typing other people um, we're we're walking on thin ice. Typing them against their will is a, a, a an area of judgment that may have more to do with projection of our own values onto other people if we're typing others uh, without their knowledge. And typing others with their knowledge, remember... They've got to be very, very in touch with what their deepest motivations are. I'd be very interested in understanding what you hear in these teachings and also uh, the feedback that you may have for me and for uh, Erica at the Institute for Conscious Being. Um, Please uh, give us an email. Ask what you wish. And it's been a pleasure to be with you today. Well, thank you, Dr. Howell, for giving us a little bit of teaching about typology and what you think about typology. I know Dr. Howell has always been um, pretty adamant that we not attempt to type other people just because... Um, we really don't understand <clears throat> what those people's motivations are. And I actually have a personal experience with that because when I first started learning about the Enneagram, it was, of course, life-changing for me because as a raging eight, I began to become aware of my actions and 
began to learn different spiritual practices that were really helpful for me. And so I wanted everybody to have that same life-changing experience. And the first person that I typed was my mother. So I had her pegged as uh, an Enneagram ego type 2. And I pegged her as a 2 because she was very loving and nurturing. And um, I don't know, she just, just was such the homemaker and domestic and, you know, great cook and always doing for other people. And I remember <clears throat> the first time she was, you know, we, we got into a deep conversation and, you know, she was like, well, tell me about the other numbers. You know, I want to hear about everybody else. And she was pretty sure that I had her pegged correctly too, because she didn't know anything about it. And the second we started talking about the ego type one, she was like, wait a minute, tell me more about that one. So I made her take the test and sure enough, she ended up typing herself as an ego type one, which was quite a shock to me. So have you had any experiences like that? Yes, I have a very similar experience. Um, I first typed myself as a two and I second typed my mom as a one. And for the first year that I studied the Enneagram, I just knew she was a one. And I made all these excuses about her um, not having an inner critic and never being moody and all these things that went against her being a type one. Um, and then one day it just, it hit me like a ton of bricks that she was likely an ego type six. And, um, you know, I'd given her all these books to read and I told her not to worry about reading any of the other chapters, only read the one chapter. And, you know, she didn't really seem all that interested. And, um, so now I've asked her to go back and to read the six chapters. And, um, and now that I know that she's a six, it's like, I can't, now I can't unsee it. And she, um, our conversations, uh, about sixes have been a lot more lively and she's been a lot more interested. Um, but it, it is, it's dangerous to type other people because you, if I thought she was a one, then I thought she was motivated by something completely different than what she is motivated by. Um, and, you know, I mean, she'll call me to tell me that it's raining and to be careful in the car. And she'll, you know, I just, I mentioned to her yesterday something about being a worst case scenario thinker. And she was like, oh, that's just me to a T. And so I just approach her differently now that that she has typed herself instead of assigning her a, a number that doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. Well, <clears throat> the other um, living being that I typed was my dog, uh, Princess Leia. And uh, I had originally typed her as an ego type seven. And I had it all wrong. She, you know, it turns out she actually is an ego type two. She is definitely a two. Mm -hmm. So anyway, but <clears throat> typing, typology, it's, it's a great tool because it's the beginning of awareness. I mean, we have to understand the ins and outs of it to be able to find where we start on the Enneagram. And once we become aware of our different behaviors we're able to see more clearly who we are and we're able to uh, work to do the work that's needed to move in the right direction towards our number of integration. But it's also so dangerous because I know that people, when they hear that I'm an ego type eight, they just automatically assume I'm a jerk, you know, and that's not fair. 
um, as much as it isn't fair to assume that if somebody's an ego type four, they're going to be melancholy all the time. That's just not fair. It's been an interesting journey in learning about motivations and and learning that they really are key to discovering my own ego type and then to also help others find what their true ego types are. Well, and I think typology has its place in that it helps you to understand that there are eight other points of view and eight other perspectives. And for someone like me, whose um, relationships are all that matter to me in the world. And so understanding um, the motivations of the people in my life and the people that I love, it just helps me, um, it helps me to understand them better and to understand our relationship better. Were you surprised to learn that not everybody is thinking about relationships all the time? Oh, I was just shocked. Just shocked. I, I mean, because, you know, for me, I only think about relationships just constantly. Um, and so I naturally assume that everyone else does too. And knowing that they don't, it's almost like it helps me to be um, less sensitive because it's not that they aren't thinking about me because they don't love me or care about me. Their world just operates differently than mine does. I had a similar uh, experience as an eight, only <clears throat> mine was about making decisions. I just never could understand why it took people so long to make a simple decision and why every time I was a part of a group, people looked to me to make those decisions and relied on me. And it would be, it was frustrating. It was like, why can't you decide where you want to go eat? Or, you know, simple things. People just couldn't make a decision. And, and, and understanding typology is definitely understanding that other people just don't, um, they don't process as quickly sometimes as I do and, and maybe aren't as comfortable just saying exactly what they want like I am. Right. And for somebody like me who's so relationship-minded, I don't want to tell you that I want to go to Pizza Hut because I'm afraid you might not want to go there and then you're not going to like me and it's going to be a reflection of my character, which is ridiculous. Yeah, that's foreign to me. It's yeah. absolutely foreign. So so that's just kind of a couple of examples about typology and and just trying to understand why, you know, the Enneagram is really kind of a buzzword right now. A lot of people are talking about it and a lot of people, you know, the first thing they want to know is what's your number, you know, and what do you think that person is or what number do you think they are? And, and, and that's fun. It is, it is fun to uh, think about it, but it's also can be very dangerous. So we want to thank you for joining us again this week for this podcast and just a, a little discussion about typology and the dangers of jumping ahead, forging ahead, and typing others without really truly understanding the motivations and the intentions behind uh, why people do what they do. So we just ask that you, if you have any questions or comments, please email us at therealenneagram at gmail.com. And uh, we hope that you return uh, again next week. Thank you so much. Thank you for being with us today. Check out our website at www.theicb.org. That's T-H-E-I-C-B dot O-R-G. If you have questions you would like to have answered on this podcast, just email us at the address on our website, theicb.org, under Contacts. 
And if you would like to attend one of the conferences or other events of the Institute for Conscious Being, you will find these presentations on our website under events.